0: Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast podcast brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In this final week of our study from the Israelites' journey in the wilderness, the Israelites finally cross over the Jordan River into the promised land of Canaan. We will find how we are called to be a people of courageous faith and confidence. So I encourage you now to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter one and join us for one last lesson as we continue to learn how the journey from bondage to freedom points us to Jesus Christ. We were here exactly nine months ago today, and over the past nine months, uh, some things have changed. We've seen a lot that's changed in our world. We've seen a lot that's changed in this landscape of our nation. Uh, But we know that much that is most important has stayed the same. That is God's faithfulness and his commitment to us as his people, as followers of Jesus Christ. What's also stayed the same is my wardrobe, because I know exactly nine months ago today I was wearing the same shirt <laughs> when we met here for the very first time. I'm just trying to keep things even and stable. But, but man, what a, what a journey we have been on as we have been looking at how that journey from bondage to freedom points us to Jesus Christ. As we started way back in the book of Exodus and we saw the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, and we saw how they cried out to God, and God heard, and God remembered, and He saw, and He knew, and He acted to redeem His people based off of His promises. And that what we get to experience today, as we look at the very first few uh, parts of the first chapters of Joshua, is that we see God making good on His promise to bring His people into this promised land of Canaan, like He said He would. So uh, we are going to be looking at courageous confidence in Joshua chapters 1, 3, and 4. And we're not covering all of those chapters, just certain parts of those chapters, which highlight where the Israelites are and have been and where they are headed. And yes, it does feel in some ways like we are at the conclusion of a very long trip, um, maybe even a long road trip. I think I started out nine months ago by saying that when we lived in Kansas... We used to drive every summer here to Virginia to visit family. And whenever we would pull in, whether it was to Mechanicsville, where my wife is from, or Williamsburg, where my parents live, we always felt like we had accomplished something great because we had been on the road with four young kids over two and a half days. Well, if you could extrapolate that out a lot, you have the Israelites who have more than just four young kids. They're a population of maybe over two million people. Not just two and a half days, but 40 years. And here we are at the end. Are we there yet? Yes, we are. We are here in the promised land of Canaan. So as we look at the book of Joshua, just an overview, the maps have returned. How about a hand for the maps? All right. Thank you. That's, the maps should get the most applause because they are the most consistent. And so what we see is this journey has taken us and the Israelites from Egypt all the way to Canaan and For the last several weeks we've been in Deuteronomy where they've been on the east side of the Jordan River waiting to cross over. Moses has passed away and now Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land of Canaan. So much of our action is taking place today in this uh, part of the promised land. You see that red oval there points to the place where they're going to be crossing over to an area on the west side of the Jordan called Gilgal, which means circle. So um, that is is where we'll be looking at today. And the context for Joshua, the purpose of the book simply stated is to record God's faithfulness to His promise to and power through His presence with His people as they take possession of the promised land. It's really God's faithfulness and His presence to His people and with His people. The key word in Joshua is conquest. Conquest. Because this begins to record the people actually having conquest over this promised land as they defeat enemies and really take possession of this promised gift that God told Abraham centuries before. This will be given to you and your offspring. And interestingly, in the Hebrew scriptures, or the Jewish scriptures, Joshua is considered one of the prophets. Not a history book like we would categorize it in our English Bible, but he's one of the prophets so we actually find that he's more than, this is more than just a book of history. You get some deep theology about God and who God calls his people to be through the study of this book. And from what we can best tell, this action happens 1406 B.C., which is 40 years after the exodus from Egypt in 1446 B.C. So that math is kind of easy for me, a non-math guy. But we'll see some very interesting bookends to the start of their journey leaving Egypt and now the ending of this journey, at least this stage of the journey, as they enter into Canaan. The structure for today is courageous commissioning, courageous crossing, and courageous commemorating. I could not help but use the alliteration. I'm I'm a big fan of the alliteration. So, Let's start with the courageous commissioning. If you look at Joshua chapter 1, we'll read the first nine verses and then make some observations about Joshua as as a leader and how God has prepared and positioned him for this great task of leading the Israelites into the promised land of Canaan to take possession of it. Starting chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses, from, all the, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Let's say this next phrase together out loud. Be strong and courageous. Thank you. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Let's read this one more time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So if I were in Joshua's shoes, and I heard the Lord God Himself communicate these words to me, I know that I would be encouraged. Would you, would you be encouraged that God was promising in all that He had done, bringing to this moment, this great apex of the journey, right before they're about to cross over, God has some incredibly courage-building words for this man Joshua, stepping into a very intimidating situation, following in the footsteps of a leader who had led the nation for 40 years, But Joshua had been prepared for this moment. And so, uh, in many ways, this serves as a preamble for the whole book of Joshua, setting the stage for what God would do through this leader, as well as in the lives of His people, in being faithful to His promises. So a few observations we can make as we look at these first few verses. Moses himself is referred to, after he has passed away, as the servant of the Lord. Now, this is a title of great honor only a few people in the Old Testament received this nomenclature, this title of the servant of the Lord. One was Abraham, one was Moses. David also received this great title. And then in the book of Isaiah, we read about this great servant that has some deep meaning and ultimately points to Jesus Christ. But Joshua steps into these shoes of the servant of the Lord. Now, Joshua would receive a wonderful honor that in the very end of this book in chapter 24, Joshua would also receive title servant of the Lord. So God tells him, Moses, my servant is dead. Okay, duh, no no problem, we understand that. And the obvious next step is for Joshua to be the man to lead the people of Israel. And so God gives him a very prophetic call Arise and go, which if you read throughout the Old Testament is often a call that God gives to His prophets. Arise and go, say to Jonah, to Nineveh, and so forth. So now Joshua is in this position of spiritual and and really civil leadership over the people to arise and go to a place where they had not been before, but a place that had been promised to them and had been given to their ancestor Abraham as a covenant promise. And God says very definitively, every place where the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. It's a done deal. The promise will be fulfilled. And Joshua is given great confidence and great courage through these words. Just as God was with Moses, God will be with Joshua. Joshua. And the courage that Joshua should have, that's why we we said that phrase out loud, be strong and courageous or be strong and very courageous, is really threefold. He should be strong and courageous because the people will inherit this land. This is the promise that God made back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, where He said to Abraham, On that day that the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt, that is the Nile, to the great river, the river Euphrates. And you see that language echoed here as uh, the river, of, the great river, the river Euphrates, all to the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, that is the Mediterranean Sea, this huge patch of real estate on this planet. God had promised to give to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And now Joshua gets to lead them into the heart of this promised land to conquer. And he was to be courageous Now, what we find too is that this strength and this courage was contingent upon Joshua being disciplined to be a person to obey God's law. So we find that God's revealed word played an important part in in a foundational role in Joshua's own courage and strength. But Joshua had to make sure that he was a man of the word in order that that courage and strength would be sustained through this battle campaign, through this military campaign that he was going to lead the Israelites through. So his life and leadership needed to be rooted in God's word, and that would support this strength and this courage that God told him he was to embody. Uh, And when God uses the language, be careful to do everything that is written in it, that word careful is, is a word for like guarding or keeping. Joshua was to be very careful and closely guard the truth of God's Word and keep it close to his heart. God tells him he is to meditate on it. That word meditate is an interesting word. It's the one that doesn't just mean mentally meditating, but actually verbally speaking repeatedly the truth of God's Word. And maybe you've done this. Has anyone ever embraced the discipline of Scripture, memory, of memorizing verses from the Bible. I see a few hands. I know some of you have done this. What's one of the most helpful ways to do that? Is that you say it out loud. So you hear yourself saying it repeatedly, and that helps your, your ears to hear it and your mouth to speak it and your heart to internalize it. And so that's the idea behind this word meditate. It's it's even a loud, out loud muttering Or even a roaring or a growling, it could be translated growling out the word of God, which is interesting. Finally, we see that in verse 9, God tells Joshua not to be dismayed. That word could also be translated shattered or broken. God does not want Joshua's faith in this very important moment as a leader for God's people to be shattered or broken. He wants that faith to be strong. He wants Joshua to be courageous. And so we have a commissioning that God finalizes and formalizes right before Joshua is about to lead the people to take possession into this promised land. So that is the courageous commissioning. We now move to the courageous crossing. And guys, this is, this is the moment, all right? This is very exciting. In fact, I'm putting up another map because I am so excited for this for you. Okay, so let's look at chapter three. We'll flip over two chapters now. The moment. Are we there yet? Yes, we are here. They are actually crossing. Finally, we'll start in verse seven. The Lord said to Joshua, "Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant. When I when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in still in the Jordan." And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people... And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout this, the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerathon. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So if you can imagine the anticipation of this moment as Joshua has the people gathered here right on the banks of the Jordan. And just as God prepared him to be strong and courageous, he was seeking to prepare the people to be strong and courageous, to be a faithful people as they were about to embark on this exciting moment in their history. Uh, Really, the people even before this had consecrated themselves. This was in many ways, guys, an act of worship as they were going to get ready to see God do something amazing that only God could do. And this would be visible proof that God was present with Joshua just as he was with Moses. So the Ark of the Covenant, and you know, you've seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know what this thing looks like, right? Uh, you have this this um, item, which is a, a box overlaid with gold, and you have cherubim on the top, and it, it contains a copy of the law of God as well as a staff, which proved that Aaron was the priest that God had chosen, as well as a jar of manna that would be kept in it. This is a representation of God's presence and God's faithfulness. This would be carried to the very edge of the Jordan River. And then the text tells us when the feet of the people, when the priests would touch the Jordan's water, that the water would be cut off. Now, Moses was very intentional to make sure that the people understood exactly what was going on. He wanted to encourage them. And you notice in verse 9, he pulls them in. It's sort of the the pregame huddle, right, of uh, two million people. All right, all right, time out. Everyone come in. You put your heads in. And he says very clearly, uh, come here and listen, that word Shema, to the words of the Lord your God. He wanted them to know this is what's about to happen. And what's interesting is that they would, they would be required to have extra faith in this moment because... Uh, <laughs> And this is what's really fascinating. This is why I put the map up here, is that we might think like with Moses and the Red Sea. Everyone was right there on the edge of the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted right in the, in the middle where the Israelites were. This crossing was different because the text tells us that the spot where the waters heaped up was not right in front of the people, but it was actually 18 miles north of where they were. In a city named Adam. So it wasn't as if the priests touched the shore of the Jordan and then all of a sudden the waters part right in front of them. But the waters stopped 18 miles to their north, and they had to wait until those waters eventually stopped, and then the rest of the water flooded down. So you imagine, even in that moment, they were gonna still required to be strong and courageous and listen to what God had promised, because the waters would not part immediately. And I'm sure, these are the Israelites, what are they, what's their, their favorite language in the wilderness was one of grumbling. And so I can only imagine, we don't read that in the text, but I can just imagine, well, gosh, I thought he said this was going to happen. Um, the water looks the same. It, it's still moving. It's, what's, why isn't it? Eventually, I'm sure that they could begin to see that something was happening. Maybe the water level was getting lower and they eventually saw that the water stopped. And, and this would have been the amazing moment when they realized, oh, this is what he was talking about, and God is faithful. He wants us to be strong and courageous and trust him. And this was a visible symbol that God would prepare them for victory just as he pushed back and held back the waters 18 miles to their north. As they moved into the promised land, he would begin pushing back, not immediately, not all at once, in one miraculous divide, like he did at the Red Sea with Pharaoh and his army but it would take time as God would cause them and invite them to trust him as he slowly began pushing, began pushing their enemies and giving them victory there. So you, you can kind of see how this was a metaphor for the victory that God would eventually give them. They still needed to be a people of faith and trust, but it would take some time. So uh, this, was, this was a significant moment and we can see the bookends of the journey. They started crossing the Red Sea when they entered the wilderness, Right? And now here they are crossing the Jordan River as that perfect bookend as they entered into to take possession of the promised land of Canaan. And different artists have depicted what this moment would have looked like. These pictures are a little hard to see, but I I think what I want to point out from what I can tell is that the one on the left would be inaccurate because it shows the, the priests with the ark and the waters are walled up right next to them. But we know that the waters walled up 18 miles to the north. So again, trying to, uh, to, let's let's see what the Bible says rather than what artists depict. So to me, that's very interesting. It's a courageous crossing, but it's a promise that God wanted his people to know he would fulfill just as he would fulfill his promise to defeat their enemies when they entered into the land of Canaan to take possession of it. So we now get to uh, the final section, which is the courageous commemorating From Joshua chapter 4 and let's read the first three verses and then we will hop to the end of the chapter for some special observations about what's going on here. Joshua 4 verses 1 through 3. Uh, Oh and by the way when you read just as we just did about passing on, passing over, this is the same Hebrew word which is used in Exodus 12 when the angel of death passed through the land of Egypt and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians but spared the firstborn of the Israelites because they had trusted in the shed blood of the Lamb that they put over their door and acted in faith. I find that just a fascinating in the connection of the language there. So verse 1 of chapter 4. When all the nation, 2 million people by the way, this took maybe half a day for everyone to move across this river. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Now verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and that's going to be important. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of, the Jer- of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. That's always God's purpose in all all of his activity, is his mission that the world may know that he is mighty and he is the true God. So as we think about what the Israelites were asked to do, they were asked to take 12 stones, one representing each tribe, and they were to build a monument commemorating this great act of God's deliverance. And what's fascinating to me is that the detail is given, if you caught this in verse 19, that they came through the Jordan, collected these stones, and passed over on the 10th day of the first month. Well, as I was studying and preparing this, I came across a note that noted that this is an important day in the life of the nation of Israel, of the people. And we have to go back to Exodus chapter 12, verses two and three, to see where the 10th day of the first month, which at this point in Israel's history was the month of Abib, which is not the first month in their calendar year, but the first month in their liturgical or religious year. Now the month in, Jews would refer to this as the month of Nisan. After the Babylonian exile, the month of Abib was changed to the name of Nisan. But here's why this day is important. In Exodus 12, and this blew me away, Exodus 12, 3, we read these words as God is instructing Moses about the celebration of the Passover, which commemorated this great act of deliverance that was about to happen as God would bring the Israelites out of Egypt And they were to commemorate this each and every year in a festival, and a feast. And Jews still celebrate Passover to this very day. But here's what God instructed Moses. This month shall be for you the beginning of months, i.e. the first month. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And then we read on that what the Israelites were to do is they they select this lamb on the 10th day of the first month. Then on the 14th day of the first month, they slaughter that lamb and sacrifice that lamb and cook that lamb and eat it in memory and gratitude and celebration of what God had done on the Passover. So I believe this detail is important to note that the day the Israelites passed over and crossed the Jordan into take possession of the promised land of Canaan was the same day that they were to then go select a lamb from their herds. Because by the way, they had to bring all the animals across the river too. And that, that would have taken some time. But they had their animals with them. So this is the same day that they were to take the animal and select the animal that they would eventually sacrifice. Four days later, now in the promised land... To celebrate the Passover for the first time as a nation in the land that God had promised. Do Do you see some of the special significance of that? That this happened on the very day that they were to select this animal. Four days later, after being in this place called Gilgal, they would celebrate the Passover for the very first time. So what we have seen is that God wanted the Israelites to be reminded of his faithful provision in the past. So on that same day that they selected the lamb, they would cross the Jordan River. And then four days later, they would sacrifice that lamb and celebrate the Passover. So we have an old reminder of God's faithfulness with that 10th day of the first month. Then we have a new reminder of God's faithfulness with the collection of these stones to look at and be reminded that God is faithful to his promise. And he did this to remind them of his faithfulness in the past, as well as his faithfulness on that very day in the present, to remind them and point them to confidence that he would continue to be faithful in the future as he led them and guided them. These future generations would ask, what does this mean? What do these 12 stones mean? And that was the opportunity for their fathers to say, well, let us tell you the great story about how God delivered us, not just out of this river and through this River Jordan, but across the Red Sea, Forty years ago. It's fascinating, fascinating. So as we think about and as we want to conclude this study with some application that should help us, my prayer as I pray will help me and help you to be a people that God calls us to be as we want to follow Jesus Christ faithfully now in the 21st century. I believe that the first application is that we should be a courageous people. We should be a courageous people. God wanted the Israelites to be a courageous people and He gave them reminders of His faithfulness to them throughout their journey in the same way we should be a courageous people because of the incredible good news that we now know to be true, which is that Jesus Christ is alive from the dead and that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and Jesus Christ is coming again. And that is why we should be able to obey great words that Paul writes in Ephesians 6.10 that read, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Remember, God was pushing back those waters and holding back those waters to be a reminder to the people that He would push back and hold back and defeat their enemies. Through Jesus Christ and His outstretched arms on the cross being the sacrifice for our sins, guys, and then His resurrection three days later, we have the ultimate enemies of sin and death which are defeated so that we might be a strong and courageous people walking in the strength of His might that no matter what our journey is like, no matter what our journey has been like, and no matter what the journey ahead is going to be like, we can be a faithful people trusting in the ever-faithful God who has proven His faithfulness through the giving of His Son, Jesus. And we have to understand that Whatever our wilderness journey might be, and if we've lived a few decades collectively, several hundreds and hundreds of decades together as guys uh, through all of our ages put together, we have seen God be faithful. Have you seen God be faithful? Have you seen God use even difficulties, whether those would be uh, physical health difficulties or relational difficulties, financial difficulties, emotional difficulties? Have you seen God... Use those challenges in your life to prove His faithfulness and to help transform you more into the image of Jesus? I know I have. I know that my faith has been strengthened through even those times of challenge. I want to encourage us uh, with this quotation that I read one of our first weeks together here from a book that has been very meaningful to me. Obviously, the Bible is at the top, but... The Land Between by Jeff Mannion has also been a very helpful book for me to process, even during difficult times, what God is doing. But we read this quotation where Jeff Mannion writes, Remember that God is at work in all things, that He desires to shape and transform you. Resist the temptation to zone out, numb out, or check out. God intends to grow something beautiful and deep and lasting, but we must cooperate with God for the season of hardship to work its intended transformation." Don't let your detour go wasted. You' are in training, and God is up to something good. That is because we are to be a courageous people because we have a faithful God who has proven His faithfulness to us time and time again. And guys, he's not going to stop. He will continue to be faithful. So as you look ahead, maybe you have some challenges ahead that or some uncertainties ahead. God is going to be faithful and invites you and invites me to trust Him, even in the midst of those difficulties. So then the practical question is, how can we be this courageous people? I believe we have two factors that play into our courage. The first is that God's word is central to our courage. I want to take us back to God's challenge to Joshua in his leadership and in his life to be strong and courageous. And I want us to look at what's called the, the chiastic or some pronounce it chiastic structure of Joshua 1, 5 through 9. All this, think about a a chiasm or a chiasm is essentially uh, moving in and moving out. And where that point of focus is in the middle, after you've moved in and moved out, that's what biblical authors will through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, write in such a way that allows the reader to focus on what's the central nugget of truth. So we start where God writes in verse 5, I will be with you. We move in, be strong and very courageous in verses 6 and 7. Verse 7, that you will have good success. And here's the fulcrum, the center point this book of the law. Then we move out. Then you will have good success. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Verse 9, the Lord your God is with you. Do you see how you have those repeated phrases? And they move in. And where's the focus? this book of the law. God's word that Moses or that God told Joshua meditate on this day and night that you will be careful to do all that is written in it. God's word was essential to Joshua's life and leadership and courage and the same is true for us. Hopefully we can become a people who like Joshua meditate on the word of God. That it is that we're again meditating that almost that outward repetition of God's word and We find this word meditate is used even in the Psalms. In Psalm, the very beginning of the Psalms, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, it's the same word, he meditates day and night The result is, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The word is central to our courage, it's essential. Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law! It is my meditation all the day. I would love that to be said of my life. I would love that to be said of your life that God's law, we love it, and it is our meditation. Because we find that even as we look ahead to Jesus, Jesus himself pointed out the fact that God's word was central to our courage when he says these words. John chapter eight. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You've moved, in other words, when you've trusted in my word, from bondage to freedom in me, and you can continue to walk in light of that freedom as we find the truth of God's word revealed in the scriptures. Now, just so you know, we don't study the Bible to become smarter sinners, we study the Bible to become more sanctified saints. And some ways that you can put this into practice. I just want to mention, as Stan was saying and encouraging everybody, that daily time in God's Word. I just remain so convinced as I look at my life that if I'm not reading, I'm not growing. We need to be in this Word each and every day. We have on your table some bookmarks. They're uh, sort of bookmark-shaped pieces of paper. And thanks, Phil. Those are for you. To take, and there's a QR code on there. If you scan that resource, that leads you to Right Now Media, which is the best way I can describe it is a Christian Netflix. So you have uh, biblical teaching on just about any topic you could wish to cover. And it's an exa- almost an inexhaustive library of digital media where you can watch um, sermons and teaching in different video series that are all rooted in Scripture. So please consider signing up for that. There's no charge for that. That's our gift to you. And you can scan that QR code with your phone. It will also lead you to the right place to sign up. Uh, But I know that over the years, Right Now Media has been a resource to encourage me in my walk. Maybe you should be a part of our up-and-coming class, How Do I Know If the Bible is Reliable in July? If you have interest in that, I would love to help answer some questions so that you can continue to understand what the Scriptures are so that you can continue to get into the the written Word so that the living Word, Jesus Christ, can continue to transform you more into His image. And then finally, because I see my friend Terry Lowe sitting out there. Terry, raise your hand. Uh, Terry right now is leading a Sunday school class, 10.30 on Sunday mornings, about really how to study the Bible. How do you get into this book? Especially when you encounter questions you don't have answers to at the moment. How do you find answers to those questions? How do you understand and plumb some of the depths of the truth that are found in this incredible book that is central to our courage? So if you have questions, to maybe talk to Terry after or talk to me, and I'll put you in touch with Terry. So God's Word is central to our courage. And finally, God's promises are foundational to our courage as well. And that's why God asks Joshua to command the people to collect a physical reminder of the spiritual reality. Those 12 stones, which would be assembled in some sort of a monument, would point back and remind God's people of God's faithfulness. And maybe you have some mementos that you have in your office or in your home, your living room, that remind you, oh, that I remember when God was faithful Maybe you haven't looked at them in a while. Maybe you need to go back to them. Now, we don't worship these items. There's nothing special about them in and of themselves, but we worship the one that they point towards, who is Jesus Christ and His faithfulness. I don't want us getting an unhealthy sense of revering something that is just a thing. But I know for me, as I sit in my office, I have this bookshelf, and on the top of the shelf I have some articles that remind me of God's faithfulness and his call in my life and places where he has allowed me to serve him and be. And I would encourage you maybe to go and look around your home and be reminded as you look at some of these items of God's faithfulness to you in the ways in which he has shown you how faithful he is so that you might be a courageous person to follow him. You know, God wanted to give the Israelites a reminder of his faithfulness in the past, as well as the present, to give them courage in the future as they move forward. And I believe that he wants to do the same in our lives as well. He is always faithful to his promises to his people. And we know that as we look ahead to this story of the scriptures, and we flip pages all the way to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, We read that all the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is in Jesus Christ. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Because of Jesus, guys, because of this incredible journey from bondage to freedom that He has brought us through and will continue to bring us through, we can have confidence because God fulfills His promises all the time. Maybe not in the time that we want. The Israelites again had to wait as the water trickled and stopped rushing over those 18 miles north of them. But eventually God fulfills his promises and he is faithful. Thank you so much for joining us on our journey through the wilderness with the Israelites. Our hope is that you have been able to deepen your walk with Christ as you experience your own journey from bondage to freedom in Him. I encourage you while this study may be coming to an end to stay tuned for our next study If you visit wcchapel.org slash men's breakfast, you will find out more information about the Friday Men's Breakfast, as well as more information about our study, which is to come. Until then, God bless.